Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Got a lot to talk about today. We got the Super Bowl, going to give a pretty in-depth analyst and breakdown on that. We got the Derrick Rose trade, I want to talk about the Kings, the Pacers, the Pelicans, and then do a player spotlight on De'Aaron Fox and Desmond Bain. So yeah, let's just get right into it. First thing I want to talk about is the Super Bowl. This was a very, very surprising game for me. Uh, I was super back and forth on who I wanted to pick, and I did end up going with Chiefs, but I thought it could go either way. And honestly, no matter no matter what, I was just hoping for a good game, and I was hoping for a close game. And I thought uh, if the Buccaneers were going to win, it was going to be a pretty close game, but it was not that at all. The first people I want to give credit and just... The amazing job that they did is the Buccaneers coaching staff, especially Todd Bowles as that defensive coordinator. His game plan was absolutely phenomenal to stop this just super high-powered Chiefs offense. He saw the weaknesses with their offensive line, which were very, very glaring weaknesses due to all the, just the injuries that they've had. The Eric Fisher injury at the last minute um, really, really hurt uh, this Chiefs roster quite a lot, and he saw full uh, advantage of that, and then he was rushing his best pass rushers, and I got to also give a ton of credit to them because they were consistently getting after Patrick Mahomes and making making that man run for his life. Shaq Barrett was incredible this game. Shaq Barrett is going to get paid. That man is going to get a big, big contract, and I'm super interested to see if he'll stay there because that that would be a big piece if they had to lose him. Nadama Kitsu got a sack and a half, and it was just overall the consistent pressure they were able to get while only sending four people. And then, you know, they'd occasionally throw the safety blitz here and there, a corner blitz here and there, just to keep them on their toes. But for the most part, it was four-man uh, four men rushing, and they did a phenomenal job of still getting pressure after the quarterback, even if there wasn't many additional blitzers. And then it allowed uh, the Buccaneers to double team Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, especially Tyree Kill on most of the plays, which was absolutely massive in this game. And you got to give credit to these corners, safeties, who just played such excellent coverage throughout the game. I mean, Antoine Whitfield Jr. has such a bright future in this league the the dude is just already an elite playmaker and a guy who just is so so special in this league uh even though uh, Tyree Kill still had 73 yards they contained him throughout the entire game very very well and a lot of those yards came uh when the game was basically over and then Travis Kelsey they played a very very good defense on him the entire time again he had a good game uh but it wasn't really that impactful as again a lot of those yards came when the game was over and you got to give credit to Devin White and Levante David for the job that they did on Travis Kelsey Travis Kelsey is one of the most unguardable and one of the most challenging people to guard in all of the NFL and they played phenomenal man-to-man defense the entire time uh, just overall, this defense truly put on a show, and I think Todd Bowles definitely deserves another chance as a starting head coach because his schemes were just phenomenal, and while it may seem simple to the average viewer like me, you take advantage of their weak offensive line by only sending four guys, but they're all good pass rushers and will make plays, and then you double their best players and allow everyone else to be you. The way that he had their players execute it and the way he set it up was was so masterful and that was w- the one thing that I was really confident in is that the Bucks were going to play as good of defense as they could and man they just played phenomenal defense uh, really didn't allow a lot of these Chiefs playmakers to get open and made life hell for Patrick Mahomes it was it was a rough night for Patrick Mahomes but I don't really blame him at all any quarterback in that same situation is going to struggle with the just atrocious offensive line play because he was running for his life every single uh, play, it felt like. I mean, I saw the stat where it was like he ran for almost 500 yards, and that was just him running around and trying to escape the pocket. And he made so many magical throws still that just weren't getting caught. Because, again, you got to give credit to this Bucks defense and the coaching with how well they played man-to-man coverage and how well they doubled Tyree Kill and really just stopped their playmakers. They uh, shut down the run game for the most part. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 64 yards, but... For the most part, they did a very, very 
very good job in the run game. And as a whole, they displayed absolutely excellent football. Holding the Chiefs to only nine points is a very, very tall task, and they succeed in that perfectly. And then going on to the offensive side of the ball for the Bucks, they displayed good, efficient, smart football throughout this entire game. Tom Brady didn't really do anything super special, but... What you got to love about Tom Brady is that he's never going to throw the game away. Even if he necessarily might not just completely outright win the game for a team, he is always going to keep you in it because he's going to make smart decisions. And that's what he did throughout this entire game was just playing super efficient football, slicing up this defense. And he completed 21 of his 29 passes, 201 yards, three touchdowns. And then the running game was super effective in this one. The Chiefs could not stop anything in the running game. Leonard Fournette had an incredible game in this one. Really, really special moment for Fournette after getting cut by the Jaguars. Looking like he could be almost out of his... Uh, on his way out of the league and then having so many great moments in the Super Bowl where he was such a big part in the Buccaneers getting this win he had 89 yards and a touchdown Ronald Jones had 61 yards as well and then Gronk it was it was really really cool to see Gronk and Brady just connect again that chemistry is something so so special the most uh quarterback and receiving uh, touchdowns in playoff history. Gronk had two of them in this game, and man, that was that was a really really a sight to see. As a, a lifelong Patriots fan, uh, born like an hour outside of Boston, I'm not salty about either of them leaving, and I'm just honestly so happy for them. And I think any Patriots fan should be really happy for them. It was really really cool to see, and it's just been cool so cool to see uh, Gronk this entire year just get better and better game by game. And I'm super excited to see how he performs next year. But if he goes out like this and doesn't really even do much next year, this was still an amazing way to just have another great year in his career, win another Super Bowl, and be such a big part of this Super Bowl. Gronk is just, in my opinion, easily the best. I'm not saying greatest because his career has been shorter due to injuries than others, but in my opinion, easily the best uh, tight end of all time. Leonard Fournette was also making game, uh, plays in the passing game, getting four receptions for 46 yards again. He was so massive in this game and was just incredible for the Bucks. Mike Evans didn't even really have that much of an impact, uh, did have third a big 31 yard completion and drew that pass interference as well so he was still important to the game uh but overall i mean they played pretty good coverage on mike evans came in great got a, a 26 yards and ab got a touchdown which was really cool to see as well uh overall they just played some very very good football even if it wasn't uh, anything outstanding as long as they could control the ball the way they did and as long as they could uh, just make efficient and smart plays, then uh, they were going to win this game with how the defense was playing. And uh, they absolutely did that. And this was even with them uh, getting stopped on the goal line, which was shocking that they uh, the Chiefs were able to make that stand. Overall, it was just a near uh, picture-perfect game from this Buccaneers team. And this is what I had said basically all year, even throughout their struggles, their ups and downs. I had always said on their best day, this Buccaneers team could be anyone in the NFL and it wasn't really a discussion and this was a damn near perfect day for them it just such an amazing accomplishment beating such a great Chiefs team and and in the fashion that they did it that was really really special from the Bucks. Uh, I got to give all the praise in the world to everyone on this roster the special teams was on point the offense was on point the defense was on point the coaching was on point just an all-around incredible performance and a great, great game from this Buccaneers roster. And now going on to the Chiefs, I mean, like I said, Patrick Mahomes struggled in this one, but I'm not going to be one of those dumb people who ever says that this was his fault at all because there were just so many unfortunate things about this game that I feel like uh, myself and many other people should have taken into account with all the uh, injuries on the offensive line. That was a big, big struggle in this game was just how they were going to stop literally anyone. And Patrick Mahomes was constantly running for his life and was still making plays, even with that injured foot, which you could definitely tell was affecting him. It I'd still say it was a good performance from Patrick Mahomes, and he still did everything that he 
uh, could have uh, just left it all out there. And even though it's a disappointing ending to potentially what could have been an amazing season and what uh, could have potentially been his real like case into being uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks already and then having a chance to really catch up to Tom Brady if he beat him and won his second Super Bowl in a row. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to completely bounce back from this, uh, just work on being becoming a better player, and he's going to be back. Even if it's not next year, it's going to be the year after that, and if it's not the year after that, it's going to be the year after that. I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at all. They still have amazing coaching. They still have amazing weapons, and they still have, in my opinion, easily the best quarterback in the world. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will be back. But they definitely have some things they need to address. The O-line play is going to be much better next year uh, when guys come back from injury and when guys come back from sitting out to COVID this year. But they still uh, could address O-linemen in the draft and in free agency for sure. Uh, they could get another weapon at the receiver position outside of Tyree Kill because we saw that with Sammy Watkins, who is getting older, is regressing. Uh, he's just not the player he used to be, really. And Tyree Kill, other than obviously Travis Kelsey, who is an, an incredible player, don't get me wrong. I feel like they still need like another outside weapon outside of Tyree Kill and probably more of like a possession jump ball receiver. I think that could be very useful to this roster. Uh, the, the defensive side of the ball definitely needs some work. I mean, they didn't play like an awful game, but when your offense is stalling this much, uh, your defense is probably just going to get uh, sliced up at a certain point because they uh, keep getting put on the field. But the running game is something that they definitely struggled a ton to defend in this one. Uh, again, it felt like they were just getting ran over the entire game, whether it was Leonard Fournette, uh, even though the uh, goal line stand was incredibly impressive. That was one of the best uh, just drives of the game uh, from the Bucks. They were uh, playing some really, really good football, and then the Chiefs were just able to hold up. Uh, that was impressive from them. Uh, I think their running game is something that's just a little bit inconsistent, but I think in a second year for Clyde Edwards Hilary is going to continue to get better and be a very, very good player for them. Again, I'm, I'm just not worried about the Chiefs at all. They do have things they can address, and with their amazing front office, I absolutely expect them to address those things and be back. It was just kind of the perfect storm for them to struggle. You know, the back-to-back -back fatigue, which hasn't, like, a back-to-back -back Super Bowl champion hasn't happened in a long, long while, and that's for a reason. And one NFL season where you're playing that many games is so grueling and so hard uh, physically and mentally. So trying to go back-to-back -back of playing the amount of games that they did, just like in the NBA and in any other sport, it's really difficult to do that, and especially in such a physically... Uh, and grueling uh, sport that the NFL is. It's definitely a big challenge. They had all the injuries. Uh, the flags were uh, pretty frequent. I'm not even going to say they were bad because uh, only a couple of them were questionable to me. But most of it was just poor play by the Chiefs because they were simply getting outplayed. And then it was them letting them um, their emotions get to themselves, especially Tyron Matthew seemed to be getting very, very frustrated uh, with Tom Brady. And they were just chirping back and forth the entire game. And then a lot of the times, I mean, they were just getting beat like the Mike Evans uh, deep pass interference. The dude just simply got beat and then he tripped up Mike Evans. Um, they just got outplayed in every facet of the game. Uh, and again, it was just the perfect storm for them to lose this game. I just hope this, you know, humbles them, gets them working hard, and then realizing that even though they were this amazing roster who seemed almost unbeatable, that they still have things that they need to address, and they need to just try and keep getting better every single year. You can't stay complacent in the NFL, especially with how it works. Uh, with this one-game uh, playoffs setup that the NFL has, any team can win any single year. So the Chiefs still have to get better, but I'm completely confident in them getting uh, back and being a great team yet again. I, I think teams like the Bills could compete against them. I think a, f a healthy 49ers team with a potential quarterback move could be a big threat in the NFL. There's going to be plenty of great teams next year, and I think the Chiefs will absolutely still be uh, a part of that. Hopefully that losing the Super Bowl curse doesn't happen to them because it, it seems to really just crush 
a lot of teams and causes them to struggle significantly the year after. Uh, but with Patrick Mahomes, with all these weapons, and with uh, this uh, head coaching and coaching as a whole that the Chiefs have, I'm completely confident that they'll be back. They just have uh, a couple things that they need to figure out in the offseason. Hopefully everyone's healthy next year so they could have a better chance because, again, those injuries just really, really hurt. And, yeah, I'm completely not worried about the future of the Chiefs. This was uh, a pretty deflating loss for them, just losing in the fashion that they did. Uh, it was it was pretty embarrassing. And I, I think this is going to do nothing but cause them to take this right on the chin, all become better football players, better coaches, and uh, be a great team yet again next year. Uh, and yeah, it was an amazing accomplishment for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an amazing accomplishment for Tom Brady, winning his seventh Super Bowl, getting more Super Bowls than every NFL franchise ever. If there was any doubt about Tom Brady being the GOAT, which was stupid in the first place, I mean, this man has absolutely proved it. What a season for Tom Brady and the Bucks beating all the odds, and becoming Super Bowl champions. Super excited to see their future. Super excited to see what's next for this roster. And yeah, this was a very, very weird game that the Bucks were able to come out on top pretty handedly. And yeah, shout out to everyone on that roster, everyone on that coaching staff. It was an incredible season for them, and they did an incredible job. Next, I want to talk about Derrick Rose being traded to the New York Knicks. This is definitely a very, very interesting move right here. And definitely confuses me uh, quite a bit, honestly, on both sides. First, starting off with the New York Knicks. Obviously, Derrick Rose is a very good player. Uh, he's still uh, bed good after all those injuries that he's endured. And especially ever since his last couple of years with Minnesota and now with Detroit. He's just a good basketball player, a very good scorer. I expect him to always score around. 15 to 18 points every single year because he's just a very talented player who while not being the crazy athlete that he was in his prime is still extremely athletic could still beat almost anybody in the league off the dribble has such a great mid-range game and even though he struggles from the three still a great scorer as a whole it just confuses me uh, fit wise and just what they have on this New York Knicks roster uh, is the thing that confuses me the most because you've seen a man quickly play the amazing basketball that he has so far this year and while he's a rookie he's going to have his inconsistent moments for the most part he's just been straight up great for them he's been uh, a sight to see and it's been a true bright spot uh, for this next roster so it confuses me why you would get someone who's going to take this young guy's minutes and even if you're like oh yeah he can play the two then that's going to interfere with RJ's minutes as well and they also have just other guards on this roster who I do think are talented. Uh, but it's mainly R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly who have both been having very good seasons. And it just confuses me why you get Derrick Rose on this roster. But going uh, back to the positives, Derrick Rose is a very good player. He has experience under Tom Thibodeau. They have an excellent relationship as Tom Thibodeau, wherever he goes, seems to just love to have Derrick Rose on this roster. And I think Derrick Rose off the court could be an incredible mentor to Emmanuel Quickly, someone who's been in this league for a long, long time, has been at the heights of an MVP, and has been at the lows of being almost out of this league. So I definitely think he can take him under his wing and just teach him a lot about life, about the game as a whole. And I think he could definitely mold him into being a better player, being a smarter player. So I, I think that is definitely a very, very valuable and underrated part of this trade. It's just Derrick Rose's mentorship to these young guys because he can do that to R.J. Barrett as well. Uh, he can do that to basically every young guy on this roster. And again, he's going to help them win games, which is something they're absolutely looking to do this year. The Knicks are looking to be a playoff team. That's just the culture that Tom Thibodeau is going to break to any team. He wants every team that he's playing for to be a winning roster. And Derrick Rose will absolutely help you do that with the 
uh, extra playmaking and extra uh, ball handling that he brings you and the scoring that he does because that is something that I thought was a weak point on this roster. Uh, I think the biggest issue with this roster is just shooting, uh, but the other one was just sometimes I feel like their offense can get very stagnant uh, depending on the lineups that they have out there because uh, sometimes I just feel like there's a lack of on-ball creation uh, on this roster and someone who can just really consistently beat his man one-on-one and especially down the stretch Derek Rose will help that uh, for sure uh, again I don't think it's an awful trade especially just considering the lack of value that you gave up Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, as much as he is athletic as all hell, he's a bad basketball player. He's one of the least skilled basketball players in the entire league and has relied on his athleticism to even keep him a job. And while I obviously hope the Pistons being a new opportunity helps him out, I just don't think he's an NBA-level uh, caliber player. And then you give up a second-round pick, which probably won't be too great. Obviously, second-round picks uh, can be great and can turn out to something, uh, but that's mostly just about uh, what team makes that pick and then how they develop that player. So even if that second round pick turns out to be great, I don't think they should uh, really feel bad about trading that away. So it is very, very good value for them. Uh, but I just think the fit's a little bit weird. I do think they can help them win games. And I do think uh, the mentorship that he can bring to these young guys and his relationship with Tom Thibodeau, uh, how will close games down the stretch will definitely help this roster. Very, very interesting trade for the New York Knicks and I think it could definitely affect them to make some moves at the trade deadline because they have some guards on this roster who I would not uh, be surprised to be gone like Austin Rivers, Alfred Payton. I could definitely see either of those guys being gone. I just hope that Derrick Rose doesn't get in the way of Emmanuel quickly and all he does is help him and help RJ Bear and help all these young players on the roster. Super interesting trade from the side of the New York Knicks. Now on the Detroit Pistons side, this trade confuses me quite a lot. Because unless the market for Derrick Rose just really wasn't that much, which I highly doubt with so many teams either needing a good starting point guard who uh, teams that are maybe lower-seeded playoff teams that want to take a bit of the next step or teams that are looking uh, from the outside in on the playoffs that want to try and be a playoff team or uh, a contender that wants a guard off the bench who could bring some creation to this roster. I'd be surprised if someone couldn't give up more value than Dennis Smith Jr., and a Hornets second round pick. Just because Dennis Smith Jr., like I said, I just don't think he's a good basketball player at the end of the day. He's always relied so much on his athleticism and has never developed the skills to truly become a good player. I think he has one of the lowest basketball IQs in the league. I think he cannot shoot the ball at all. He has so many issues that I think are far from being New York's fault. I don't think they helped Dennis Smith Jr. at all, and I think some of his, his issues could definitely be uh, from the toxic culture that was uh, tanking in New York and then just all the change that has happened in New York. I definitely think uh, it's far from completely his fault, but I also uh, have to put it on him for not developing so many skills that at the end of the day in this current modern NBA are essential to being a good player because you can't get by with just athleticism unless you're like a truly, truly just out of this world athlete and even then you have to have a good basketball IQ you have to have some other redeeming qualities and other than him having like a pretty good handle other than that there's just not many redeeming qualities and even if he'll get more opportunity uh, in Detroit in the G League for these next couple of years depending on if they keep him uh, I just don't really expect him to develop into anything. Obviously, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best for every player, no matter how high I talk of them or no matter how low I talk of them. I want every player in this league to succeed as long as they don't do anything morally wrong, as long as they're not being a dirty player. I want everybody in this league to succeed, but I have to keep it honest when I just don't see something out of a player and I don't see Dennis Smith Jr. being a good player in this league, if I'm being completely honest. And then that second round pick like I said second round picks are so wishy-washy like I never value them uh, too much in any trade because it's all about developing who you are uh, picking that second round you may say that that's for everything but a first round pick at least as long as your scouting is good as long as you get the right guy should be a little more guaranteed second round picks are either when you get guys who are 
pretty low ceiling guys, but should be at least solid players. Those guys you don't usually need to develop. There's a lot of like four-year college players that you can get who should at least be a solid player in the league, but don't really have much of a high ceiling at all. Or that's when you get the projects, the guys who have a lot of potential but aren't really much right now. And then that's completely on your developmental staff to do the best job that you can to develop that raw prospect. And, I mean, Detroit, they've developed some guys, but they haven't had the greatest track record over the years. So it'll be interesting to see what they get out of that. I just don't think Dennis Smith Jr. is that good, and I don't think uh, that second-round pick is guaranteed to really be anything. So I'm surprised you didn't get uh, anything out of uh, a guy in Derrick Rose who is a 15- to 18-point-per-game score on good efficiency in this league, who can play make, who can handle the ball, who can be an option off the bench or as a starter, and is on an expiring contract. It's just weird to me that they didn't get more for that. And this uh, trade as a whole just doesn't make that much sense to me and is definitely a weird one from both sides. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Sacramento Kings who have been absolutely balling as of late, have won their past four games and are looking very, very good. They've had a super just up and down and weird season so far where they started off really hot. We're looking super just fun again. And then they had a bit of a rut where they were looking very, very ugly. Uh, looked like they were just back to the team that they used to be. And now they're looking very, very good again. So I, I don't know exactly what to think about this team. But as of late, they've just, again, looked incredible. And this is not against Cakewalk competition at all. They've been facing facing very very good teams and are just coming out on top uh, a ton of guys on this team have been playing very well but I first gotta start off with Tyrese Halliburton Tyrese Halliburton was one of my favorite guys coming out of this draft because while I didn't think he had the high ceiling by any means I was the most confident in him being a good and impactful player basically from day one and Tyrese Halliburton has uh, done that and much much more he's just one of the highest basketball IQ players in the entire league and as a rookie that is so so impressive talking about on the defensive side of the ball this dude is just absolutely everywhere at all times I mean he's just always making plays his rotations are phenomenal he's already just again looking like a veteran and one of the highest basketball IQ guys out there you can tell he's constantly studying the game and just constantly uh, looking at players tendencies and he's already done such a good job of being a plus defender as a rookie which especially as a guard with the guard position being so tough that is such an uphill battle and such a challenge to do but Tyrese has absolutely done that and has looked very very good on that side of the ball again he's just everywhere doing his thing out there and then on offense I just love his game so much because he picks his spots uh, very smartly. You'll never see him take a shot that you think is a bad shot or just throw a dumb turnover. He just gets uh, his points where they come, gets his assists where they come, and is such an impactful player already. Uh, talking about his uh, three-point shooting, he's shooting 5.1 a game and is shooting 44%. Uh, he may have a super ugly jumper that every time you see it, you think it shouldn't go in, but it just goes in. While the mechanics may not be pretty, as long as it goes in, that's all that matters. And, I mean, shooting at a 44% clip on 5.13 a game. Shows that it's going in pretty damn well. And then other aspects of the game. I mean, again, he doesn't really take many shots outside of threes. Only takes uh, 4.12 per game. Uh, but a lot of those shots are, again, just smart, efficient shots. Whether it be simple, just pull-ups off the pick and roll when he at uh, has open space, open in uh, easy driving lanes to the basket. While he doesn't have like the best handle or the quickest first step, his basketball IQ and his ability to navigate in the pick and roll already helps him uh, be a guy who can be his defender even again if he doesn't have this just amazing handle or doesn't have a lightning quick first step it's all about that basketball iq and i love his playmaking so so much he's already just mastered so many things that it takes 
veterans and guys who have been in this league for a long, long time to do. Uh, his ability to n- navigate the pick and roll, scoring and playmaking is just absolutely phenomenal. So effectively just uses quick and uh, um, like nifty ball fakes and stuff like that to trick his defender uh, just does all the right things as a playmaker and that's another thing that his basketball IQ is so important in. his vision is phenomenal and he's so unselfish which is just shown by his assist to turnover ratio uh, watching the games his efficiency everything about Tyrese Halliburton is already the ultimate player that you'd want on any Uh, team in the NBA and he's already the perfect role player and as he continues to grow into his role and as his role continues to get bigger I think he's just going to continue to shine because Tyrese Halliburton is that dude he's his game is just so beautiful and I love that he fell to the Kings because I feel like it's just been such a perfect spot for him and he's completely taken advantage of his opportunities and has balled out this year De'Aaron Fox uh, Western Conference player of the week is looking like an all-star caliber player I'll get uh, more into him later in the episode but he is hooping so far this year we all know about De'Aaron Fox's speed which is just what makes him so great he is just so lightning quick and it's it's impossible to stay in front of him because that uh, speed also comes with an elite handle that he uses to just get by people with ease his transition game is just absolutely so elite his ability in the pick and roll is phenomenal he's a great playmaker uh the only thing about him is is he's an inconsistent three-point shooter but at least as of late he's been shooting the ball very very well and that's the uh, last part of his game for him to truly become an all-star and uh, all nba caliber players just to be to become a more consistent shooter and these haven't even been just like open catch and shoot threes he's been taking off the dribble step backs he's been taking a lot of uh, tough shots and they're going in as long as he can even shoot around the 36 percent clip like he's shooting this year that isn't even great that's just slightly above league average but with how well-rounded his game is in every other aspect uh, that'll make him a really really special player and I think he absolutely should be in contention for an all-star spot with him averaging 23 points and six and a half assists on a team that looks like they can compete for the play in and maybe even playoffs De'Aaron Fox is just been balling so far this year and especially as of late has been really really turning it up and has been playing incredible basketball for the Sacramento Kings could not say enough good things about De'Aaron Fox and then I just like a lot of the role players that they have on this roster like Rashawn Holmes is not a special player by any means and I think they could use some more of an interior presence at times but he just does all the right things he brings so much energy to this team sets such good screens rolls to the basket and finishes very very well and does everything that he can on the defensive side of the ball even if sometimes he's outmatched with maybe a potentially bigger player or someone that's more skilled he's always is going to do as good of a job as he can and again i just love his energy his hustle and just all the little things that he does harrison barnes is a player who i just think is such a good player to have on any roster while he may be overpaid which he absolutely is he is a just such an efficient and well-rounded basketball player he's averaging 17 points six and a half rebounds three and a half assists shooting 49.6 percent from the field 41.7 percent from three and 85 percent from the line just being efficient at all parts of the game and then he's a very very good defender because of his size and uh, that allows him to be super versatile with him being 6 8 225 having the uh, strength and size to guard bigger players but also having the mobility and uh, the lateral quickness to guard quicker players Harrison Barnes is a player that I think any team could use especially as a Celtics fan I mean if if the Kings are willing to give up Harrison Barnes I'd give up a lot for that dude because Harrison Barnes is such a good player uh, and has been playing very very well another just good part of this team uh, Buddy Heald hasn't even been playing great this year and I think he's definitely someone who down the line is going to get traded because uh, Tyrese Halliburton is just so damn good uh, but Buddy Heald is someone who's always going to be a threat as a three-point shooter and those guys uh, just bring such good gravity to the game that just helps everyone else around them so much so Buddy Heald's always going to be valuable even if he's only shooting what like 39% from the field he's shooting like 39% from three as well taking 10 threes a game the only thing this team really needs to improve to me is just the interior presence uh i'd really love if Rashawn holmes could be a backup 
backup as good as he's been and he's been great for the kings don't get me wrong i think he could be the perfect backup center so if they could really uh find a, a guy that could be a great starting center or a four alongside him who could be maybe a bit more of an interior presence because i just I'm just not really a fan of Marvin Bagley in his game. He gets injured way too much for me to ever have confidence in him. And then there's just so many issues to his game that I don't really want to get into because they've been winning games. He's been fitting in, so I don't want to criticize him a ton. But I just uh, am very concerned with his uh, defensive ability because he's someone who you want to play fives at the fives so badly, but he just doesn't have the capability. He fits into that mold that a lot of these like seven foot. 6'11 guys do, uh, like the Lowry Markinens, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, Kristaps Porzingis's, that you want them to play center so bad, but a lot of the times those guys just aren't super uh, effective at center. So you have to play a guy like Hassan Whiteside, who as much as he can put up good stats sometimes, Hassan Whiteside is not a good basketball player. He's the definition of an empty stats guy. And then they have to put like Nemanja Bielitsa, as much as I like him, they have to put him at small ball center, which just doesn't work. So if they can get a bit more of an interior press, because that's been the biggest issue uh, these past two years is their interior defense and their defensive rebounding has been very, very bad. So if they can figure that out, I think this team could be a very, very good team. And even if they keep this uh, same or very similar roster, I think they could still be competitive because those guards on this team are so good. Rashawn Holmes is the perfect role-playing center. And they just have a lot of nice pieces on the squad. I really love everything that I've seen recently from the Sacramento Kings. Next, I want to talk about a team that has been struggling as of late. And after a very, very hot start, the Indiana Pacers have taken a pretty clear step back. They were looking so good at the beginning of the year, and they just haven't really looked the same, especially ever since the Victor Aldipo trade. I'm not going to be super critical of them at all just because they don't have Karis LeVert, who they uh, traded, uh, who they got for in the Victor Aldipo trade. So again, I'm not going to be super critical of them, but they definitely have slowed down significantly from their hot start. And I'm just really hoping Karis LeVert can be back soon because uh, at least I haven't really seen an update on his health or and when he's going to get back. That's going to be such an important part to this roster. And I feel like they really need him to get back soon because they're missing that third score a lot. Like Sabonis is still great and he's having an awesome season so far. Uh, just all facets of his game he's been phenomenal in. Three-point shooting has been much better than I could have ever expected. Shooting 2.7 a game at, only, at almost uh, 30 percent which for someone who dominates so much on the interior and is such a good interior player that just makes his game even better is the ability to step out and hit the three even if it's just occasional it's just another thing that he can add to his already uh, deep bag of tricks on the offensive side of the ball such a good post player uh, such a good playmaker would love him to be a better defender but at the end of the day, you kind of just have to accept that's who Sabonis is. And that's why Miles Turner is so important to this roster. And I'm glad uh, he didn't get traded from them because Miles Turner is so massive for this team. Even if he's putting up, what, 12 points per game like he consistently does. He's actually putting up 13.7 this year. And he's only putting up 6.7 rebounds. His defensive impact is just through the roof. And he's so, so important to this team. And then what he brings as a floor spacer, he's actually never been a super great percentage guy but his uh ability and just uh willingness to stand at the three-point line and let Sabonis dominate on the inside is very important Malcolm Brogdon has been hooping this year uh having another very very good season definitely more efficient than last year and that was only honestly my only issue with this season last year is that he definitely slowed down from his really hot start to the year and he just wasn't that crazy efficient player that he used to be as he was developing into a new role but he's back to that super efficient player and I love Malcolm Brogdon's game Honestly, again, I just think they're really, really severely missing that third score because Karis LeVert and TJ Warren are injured. So they just don't really have that next guy to go to. And the Pacers have always been a team that's super win by committee, even though they have their clear top players who are the defined best players on uh, that roster. They've always been a team that does things by committee, especially these past couple of years. And they always have like four uh, guys that you 
can rely on and consistently go to. But with the injuries that they're dealing with this year, it's definitely uh, been a big, big challenge for them to find that next guy that they can rely on. Because as much as Miles Turner is a good player and a very impactful player, he's just not someone who's super like aggressive or assertive on the offensive side of the ball. And he just really can't even be with Sabonis because he can't really just go on the inside except for the minutes he's playing without Sabonis. And then, like, Doug McDermott is a good shooter, but he's not, like, a great overall scorer. And as much as he is a nice guy to have on this team, and he's averaging 13 points per game, like, he's been really, really nice for them so far this year. He's not that third guy you need to rely on. And as much as I like a Justin Holiday, who's a super good role player, he's not that guy either. Uh, there's just so many guys on this roster who are good, but are not going to be able to fill in that uh, uh, shoe of being the third guy until one of those guys come back. So that's going to be huge for the success of the Pacers this season. It's just when can one of those guys come back? Obviously, I'm hoping for a speedy recovery from both of them. I don't even remember the TJ Warren injury because it was so long ago at this point. I think it was some some sort of foot injury, if I'm remembering correctly. And then uh, Victor... Uh, uh, Karis LeVert obviously had the issues after he got traded. Uh, I'm just hoping those guys can be back soon because the Pacers were a super fun team for me to watch uh, before those uh, guys were having injuries and before they made uh, the Victor Oladipo trade because even though they may have not had the top-tier talent of most teams, they just all fit so well together and all uh, were so willing to uh, just let ev- like a different guy have a night each night and then they have their number one guy in Sabonis. Uh, and they've definitely been struggling without those guys. Like they're losing games that they simply shouldn't to teams that aren't terrible by any means, but to teams that are worse than them. Uh, so again, I'm just hoping those guys can come back soon because the Pacers have been struggling pretty significantly as of late. They're 12 and 12 now, and they're definitely falling a bit behind the eight ball. They're still the five seed in a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say weak Eastern Conference, but like the Eastern Conference has their uh, clear four best teams which are the 76ers the bucks the celtics and the nets and then i feel like there's a pretty significant dip uh between the next couple teams uh but i also feel like the pacers are like a step above most of those teams that are in the next tier uh tier it's kind of weird the pacers are in like this weird tier of their own in the east where they're kind of just exactly in the middle where i don't feel like they can compete with the upper echelon teams in the eastern conference but i also feel like they're better than the lower teams like i feel like they're better than the hornets better than the hawks better than the knicks better than the raptors the Cavs, the bulls uh, even probably the Heat this year, the Magic, the Wizards, and the Pistons, obviously. They're just in a super interesting spot, and uh, they've definitely taken a step back. I'll be interested to see when those guys are healthy and when they're back, how this team will gel, how they'll start playing, because they've just always been a team that I feel like is a bit of a piece of away, and I wonder how uh, Karis LeVert meshing with this team will affect my opinion on that. Because uh, I feel like it could be very similar uh, with because uh, Victor Aldipo was playing some pretty good basketball for them. And no matter how good Karis LeVert plays, I feel like uh, at the best, it's just an equal trade off. And then obviously you're still happy with the trade because Karis LeVert is there for the long haul. And you have the security of having Karis LeVert for multiple years so he can um, mold with the team and just they don't have to have that. Uh, unsecure feeling of never knowing when Victor Oladipo is maybe going to request a trade or when he's going to leave the roster. Uh, It's just super interesting for me, the future of the Indiana Pacers. I wonder if they're ever going to be able to take that next step or if they're just going to be content with being the way they are because the way they are is a consistent playoff team for these next couple of years. And maybe they're one of those teams just kind of like the Trailblazers who's hoping for uh, the one year where there's some unfortunate injuries. Obviously, you don't hope for injuries, but it's just what happens in the league. And then you can have your 2011 Dallas Mavericks run where no one expected you to go as far as you did and you did. Or you could have your heat run from last year where you're the five seed and then you just have really really good matchups that fit you super well and certain guys step it up and play very well in the playoffs Uh, i wonder if the pacers will ever be able to take that step into being uh a real real contender Uh, but for now i just think they're a solid team interested to see what happens when those guys get back but they've definitely been 
struggling and having some weird moments as of late. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to give uh, some player spotlights. First, starting off with Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies. Desmond Bain was easily one of my favorite prospects going into the 2020 NBA draft as well. I knew he would never have the highest ceiling and would probably never ever even reach uh, all-star status. I always knew Desmond Bain would be one of the best role players in the NBA, and as a rookie, he's already became that. At a TCU, he was a very, very good 3 and D prospect with some creating ability that he's shown uh, occasionally in the NBA, but what I just loved most about him was his three-point shooting ability, as he is a guy who has some pretty great range. His jump shot is a little weird, and uh, that was somewhat of a concern for some people but he is uh, at every level of basketball knocked it down at a very very high clip and at the as the uh, recording of this video he is actually the lead leaguer uh, the league leader in three-point percentage shooting a blazing 48.6 percent from three on 3.9 attempts per game which is just absolutely incredible for any player but especially considering he's a rookie who was picked 30th that is just amazing i thought desmond bain was a guy who should have got picked much much higher he was a guy mocked multiple times to a team like the dallas mavericks and i think we're seeing that they could have absolutely used a guy like desmond bain when my celtics traded him away to keep so many players that i thought were significantly worse than him uh, it made me very very sad and i really wish he was on my roster right now because desmond bain is already that dude his three-point shooting ability again is so amazing he already shows off such good range and he can really really shoot it from deep uh he doesn't really have a great creating ability due to his lackluster handle but he can hit shots off the dribble and if you allow him to do it he absolutely will do it and then on the defensive side of the ball he's already a great defender uh mostly that comes from his strength he is 6'5 215 pounds and if you look at this dude he is raw muscle he is strong as all hell and he uses that to his full advantage to stick to guys on the the perimeter he's never going to be a guy who's taken advantage of in the post due to that strength it helps him in uh, a bunch of different parts of his game but definitely helps him on the defensive side of the ball and then he's just a super high iq player on that end who already does such a good job of making just smart and consistent rotations and that's what happens when you play at four Uh, for four years at college even though a lot of these guys like a Desmond Bain like a Peyton Pritchard these guys don't have the highest ceilings by any means but those guys for the most part if they showed all the things that uh all the good things that you'd want to see in college they're most likely going to be a pretty good nba player and that's what we've absolutely seen out of desmond bain so far just the maturity and the poise for him to come into a grizzlies team who's trying to win games which they absolutely are and even with all the injuries that they've dealt with to their best players they are still winning games and desmond bain has been key to that he's had multiple moments where there's been injuries there's been guys in and out and he has stepped up and been a massive part to them winning games he uh, just does so many of the little things that are super important as well Uh, I just love his game as a whole he's a pretty good playmaker even though he only averages one and a half assist and he's never going to be a high assist guy again it just comes down to his IQ because assists aren't the only thing you have to uh, take into playmaking he's always going to be a guy who makes the right pass gets his teammates involved which you always love to see and he's just an efficient player from all aspects of the floor we talked about his three-point shooting but he's very efficient from everywhere else because that strength is a thing that absolutely helps him when attacking the basket there's so many times where he can just straight up go through people because he's much stronger than them which is impressive for only a 22 year old guy who's a rookie he's going through these professionals who are getting nba uh, training every single day and have been getting nba training for years that just shows the maturity and the skill set that desmond bain already has us at such a young age it's so so impressive uh, from him he's a good mid-range shooter as well who does a pretty good job of navigating the pick and roll uh, does a really good job of coming off screens and just getting easy buckets um, 
I just love everything about Desmond Bain's game. Already becoming the ultimate role player, uh, a player that no one is going to want to face, but everyone would love on their team. And I think a lot of teams made massive mistakes on passing up on Desmond Bain. The Dallas Mavericks, the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics for trading them for trading him you guys all made a massive mistake because even as a rookie Desmond Bain is already playing key rotational minutes getting 22 and a half minutes per game averaging almost 10 points on a Grizzlies team that looks like they could definitely be a playoff team especially when Jaron Jackson Jr. is back I mean I've raved about their future and their young core so much but this just gives me another opportunity to do it uh, they have so many good young players on this team John Morant uh uh, he has a slowed down for sure after his injury, but I think he's still going to be a superstar caliber player. John Moran is an absolute stud. Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the most underrated young players in the league. A guy who's so versatile on the defensive side of the ball and is a straight-up sniper as a three-point shooter, even though he's 6'11", and he may have one of the weirdest jump shots I've ever seen. He knocks it down. He can blow uh, by quicker big men and... I mean, slower big men. And then he can also take advantage of smaller guards and wings in the post. Like, he's already almost the complete package of what you'd want, except for him not being a very good rebounder and him having foul uh, issues. I already talked about Xavier Tillman a lot, and I think he is an incredible uh, pick for them. He's a guy who I think could be one of the best backup centers in the league easily with his amazing vision, uh, with his very, very good defensive instincts. And then they took flyers on guys in the right spots, uh, getting certain guys in undrafted free agency who have the potential to be very, very good but have dealt with injuries. Like the Grizzlies are just doing everything right as a franchise. And it's so, so impressive. And it's shown in the savvy picks they're making with guys like Desmond Bain. They nailed their top lottery picks and then they made smart picks and smart trades down the board in the draft to get their guys uh, took swings on guys in undrafted free agency and then have made savvy moves in free agency have made good extensions with getting a guy like DeAnthony Millen under a long-term contract the Grizzlies are just doing absolutely everything right and I think Desmond Bain is the embodiment of that already the ultimate role player and easily uh, just one of the biggest steals of the 2020 draft. It's crazy to me that he slipped to 30 because this is not a surprise by any means. If you watched Desmond Bain in college, you should know that Desmond Bain was going to be a damn good player. But because of the typical stigma of, oh, he's a four-year player in college, he has a lower ceiling than some of these guys, NBA teams continue to make these just stupid mistakes by passing up on guys like Desmond Bain. And the Memphis Grizzlies are taking full advantage of that and have made another amazing pick in Desmond Bain out of TCU, already the ultimate role player and already the ultimate winning player in the NBA. My next player spotlight I want to get into is of De'Aaron Fox for the Sacramento Kings. Earlier on in the episode, I talked about how good the Sacramento Kings have been as of late. And De'Aaron Fox is obviously a very big uh, reason for that, as he is obviously the best player on this roster. And he has been incredible. Incredible so far this year, especially as of late, as the Kings have gone on a little streak, have won four games against very, very good competition, and have been impressing me quite a lot. Uh, they're only the ninth seed in the Western Conference, but considering how stacked the Western Conference is, with legitimately like the only team that I just can't see making the playoffs in any circumstances is the Timberwolves. But every other team, even if they don't have like a great shot, I could see them making the playoffs. Even with that, they're still the ninth seed. They're tied with a team like the Golden State Warriors. They're only half a game back of a team like the Trailblazers and the Nuggets, which is so impressive because a lot of these teams are just simply more talented uh, than the Sacramento Kings. But they've still been racking up these impressive wins, and you got to give credit to their best player in De'Aaron Fox, who looks like he's really taken that next step to be a solidified 
all-star caliber player in the league. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox was still phenomenal last year. Averaged 21.1 points, 6.8 assists. Like, he was great last year. But he's just taken another step in this fourth year. And I think he absolutely deserves to be an all-star contention. He's averaging 23 points, 6.5 assists, 3.3 rebounds. Shooting 48% from the field, 36% from three, and 68.7% from the line. We all know about his blazing quick speed and that's just such a big and important part of his game and it's so helpful to him because in transition especially there's literally just nothing you can do about the Aaron Fox because uh, he's faster than 99% of people in the NBA and I would almost dare to say 100 because he's just that athletic and that fast and it just makes him a menace in transition he's completely unstoppable there and then even in the half court uh, where like athleticism may not be as uh, important he still just blows by people because his his first step is so quick and then that handle is also so uh, nice mixed with that athleticism and I feel like the step he's taking every single year is just continuing to learn how to use his athleticism to the best of his ability and learning how to control himself more and more and that's just what it takes uh, getting uh, more uh, experience and maturity in the NBA and you could definitely tell every single year he's just getting better in that aspect and then he's becoming just a more skilled and poised player every single year every single year his handles looking better every single year he's learning to navigate the pick and roll better and is hitting his uh, bigs better hitting his uh, wings in the corner better he's just clearly improving every single year and I'm I'm excited to see what his next step is because I think the Aaron Fox has easily the potential to be an all NBA caliber uh, guard he's just that that good uh, the thing that I want to see improve the most is his three-point shooting, and that's something that's definitely taken a bit of a step this year. Shooting 36%, which isn't great by any means, but because he's such a well-rounded player who can do so many different things, as long as he's around league average, that's very, very good. And a lot of these threes are tough threes, too. Like I wasn't a guy who was super high on his shooting back in 2019 when he shot 37%, because those were only on 2.9 attempts per game, which is very limited attempts. And a lot of these were catch-and-shoot pretty open threes like he just took them when they were open but didn't really force the issue this year he's forcing the issue from three much more and i love to see it a lot of off the dribble uh, off the pick and roll the step back threes have been super impressive and if he can incorporate that to his game and be at least competent from uh from outside and can have moves like that he's going to be uh, a damn near perfect offensive player and he's going to become truly truly elite so i love to see that the one uh, thing outside of his three-point shooting that i want to see improve the most uh, is his free throw shooting he's just never really had the touch from uh, anywhere he's never been a super great shooter uh, and i just need my guard to shoot better than 70 percent from the line he's only shooting 68.7 percent this year that's something he really really needs to work on uh, and it always frustrates me when like elite players aren't good free throw shooters like lebron has been a bad three uh, free throw shooter throughout his entire career so i'd love to see him take the step in that but other than that i mean he's everything you'd want out of a, a modern guard in 2020 athletic smart has the handle has the playmaking uh, and then on defense he's a guy who will compete every single night i love his defense even if he isn't like the greatest defender by any means he's a very very good one don't think he'll really be all defense caliber but i think he'll be a tier below that and especially when he's playing alongside tyrese halliburton it's a it's a show on defense because uh De'Aaron is that super flashy guy on the defensive side of the ball who's gonna make the big plays when he gets in passing lanes uses that length uses uh that speed to just make big plays and then get a dunk on the other end he'll always like uh every couple of games just have a nasty chase down block where he shows off the, the that athleticism shows off those hops and just overall on a play-to-play -play basis he is a pretty good individual and and team defender i do feel like he could take a bit of a step as a team defender but that's something a lot of young players can have struggles with so i'm not going to get really on his case at all for that because he's still a pretty good defender and especially considering the load he has on the offensive side of the ball uh yeah he's pretty good on that end and i just i'm just really liking a lot of things that the kings are doing as much as uh i've criticized them in the past for making pat 
uh, bad moves. I thought they absolutely nailed it in this draft, obviously with Tyrese Halliburton, because Tyrese Halliburton is literally like already the best role player in the NBA as a rookie. But even in the second round, they got Robert Woodard, who I think can be an elite 3 and D wing in this league. I think he could be an OG Ananobi type of player. They got Jamius Ramsey, who I think could be an explosive six-man off the bench who can just give you uh, buckets in a flurry like they did a lot of really good things in this draft and I, I think they're doing uh, things right even if the Marvin Bagley pick was a mistake like that that was bad for sure because uh, they missed out on obviously Luca but the thing that frustrates me more because I think a Luca and De'Aaron Fox backcourt would be pretty awkward just because they're both guys who succeed with the ball in their hand they missed out on Jaron Jackson Jr. which which hurts quite a lot because Jaron Jackson Jr. would literally be the perfect player for this roster a guy who could shoot the ball run pick and pop guard the interior like that that one definitely hurts a lot and they're always going to get criticism for that. But if you can continue to develop players like the Aaron Fox to being an all-star caliber player, develop uh, Tyrese Halliburton to being one of the best role players, develop those second round rookies into the roles that I just said, as much as that uh, pick is always going to hurt, uh, you can still have a competent franchise and have a good roster. And that's what they're doing. I just hope the Aaron Fox continues to hoop. I really hope he gets a lot of love uh, as a potential all-star guy, I don't think he'll necessarily make it just because the Western Conference is so stacked with guards especially. But he easily could be a guy who is a wild card guy. And I think he absolutely deserves some love uh, in the recognition for some of the last guys in this all-star game. De'Aaron Fox has been hooping this year. And he's been a big reason to why the Kings are playing some very, very good basketball as of late. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael Peace out.